0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we will read chapters 5 and 6. Now, in the previous episode, we read chapters 3 and 4, and Clarice and the Ares Cabin got into a fight with the Apollo Cabin, because Apollo got a chariot, and and the Ares Cabin thinks they deserve the chariot as well. And so they're in a feud because of that, and they decided not to help for the battle against Kronos and so percy tried to convince clarice but failed to do so for uh, for now but hopefully clarice gives in and is able to fight because clarice her her father is the god of war so i'm uh, we do need they percy and the camp really do does need their help so hopefully clarice gives in and we'll see if she does in this ep- in this episode where we read chapters five and six now without further ado On with the show. Chapter 5. I Drive My Dog Into a Tree Mrs. O'Leary saw me before I saw her, which was a pretty good trick considering she's the size of a garbage truck. I walked into the arena and a wall of darkness slammed into me. Woof! The next thing I knew, I was flat on the ground with a huge paw on my chest and an oversized Brillo pad tongue licking my face. Ow! I said, Hey girl, good to see you too. Ow! Ow! It took a few minutes for mrs o'leary to calm down and get off me but then i was pretty much drenched in dog drool she wanted to play fetch so i picked up a bronze shield and tossed it across the arena by the way mrs o'leary is the world's only friendly hellhound i kind of inherited her when her previous owner died she lived at camp but beckendorf well beckendorf used to take care of her whenever i was gone he had smelted mrs o'leary's favorite bronze chewing bone He'd forged her collar with the little smiley face and a crossbones name tag. Next to me, Beckendorf had been her best friend. Thinking about that made me sad all over again, but I threw the shield a few more times because Mrs. O'Leary insisted. Soon she started barking, a sound slightly louder than, our, than an artillery, artillery gun. Like she needed to go for a walk. The other campers didn't think it was funny when she went to the bathroom in the arena. It caused more than one unfortunate slip-and-slide accident so i opened the gates of the arena and she bounded straight toward the woods i jogged after her, not too concerned that she was getting ahead nothing in the woods could threaten mrs o'leary even the dragons and giant scorpions ran away when she came close when i finally tracked her down she wasn't using the facilities she was in a familiar clearing where the council of cloven elders had once put grover on trial the place didn't look so good the grass had turned yellow the three topiary thrones had lost all their leaves but that's not what surprised me. In the middle of the glade stood the weirdest trio I'd ever seen. Juniper the tree nymph, Nico D'Angelo, and a very old, fat, very fat satyr. Nico was the only one who didn't seem freaked out by Mrs. O'Leary's appearance. He looked pretty much like I'd seen him in my dream. An aviator's jacket, black jeans, and a t-shirt with dancing skeletons on it. Like one of those Day of the Dead pictures. His Stygian iron sword hung at his side. He was only 12, but he looked much older and sadder. He nodded when he saw me, then went back to scratching Mrs. O'Leary's ears. She sniffed his legs like he was the most interesting thing since ribeye steaks. Being the son of Hades, he'd probably been traveling in all sorts of hellhound-friendly places. The old satyr didn't look nearly so happy. Will someone- What is this underworld creature doing in my forest? He waved his arms and trotted on his hooves as if the grass were hot. You there Percy Jackson. Is this your beast? Sorry, Linnaeus, I said, that's your name, right? The satyr rolled his eyes. His fur was dust bunny gray and a spider web grew between his horns. His belly would have made him an invincible bumper car. Well, of course I'm L- Linnaeus. Don't tell me you've forgotten a member of the council so quickly. Now call off your beast. Woof. Mrs. O'Leary said happily. The old satyr gulped. Make it go away. Juniper, I will not help you under these circumstances. Juniper turned toward me. She was pretty in a dryad-y way, with her purple go- go- gossamer dress and her elfish face, but her eyes were green-tinted with chlorophyll from crying. <laughs> Percy, she sniffled. I was just asking him grover. I know something's happened. He wouldn't have stayed gone this long if he wasn't in trouble. I was hoping that Lenny is... I told you, the satyr protested. You are better off without that traitor. Juniper stamped her foot. He is not a traitor. He's the bravest satyr ever. And I want to know where he is. Woof. Lennius's knees started knocking. I, I won't answer questions with this hellhound sniffing my tail. Nico looked like he was trying to not crack up. I'll walk the dog. He volunteered. He whistled, and Mrs. O'Leary bounded after him to the far end of the grove. Lenius huffed indignantly and brushed the twigs off his shirt. Now, I was trying, as I was trying to explain, young lady, your boyfriend has not sent any reports since we voted him into exile. You tried to vote him into exile. I corrected. Chiron and Dionysus stopped you. Bah! They're honorary council members. It wasn't a proper vote. I'll tell Dionysus you said that. Lenius paled. I only meant- now see here, Jackson. This is none of your business. Grover's my friend, I said. He wasn't lying to you about Pan's death. I sighed myself, and you were just too scared to accept the truth. Lenius's lips quivered. No! Grover's a liar and good riddance. We're better off without him. I pointed at the Withered Thrones. If things are so going so well, where are your friends? Looks like your council has been meeting lately. Marin and Silas! I, I, I'm sure they'll be back. He said, but I could hear the panic in his voice. They're just taking some time off to think. It's been a very unsettling year. It's going to get a lot more unsettling, I promised. Linnaeus, we need Grover. There's got to be a way you can find him with your magic. The old, uh, the old, uh, satyr's eyes twitched. I'm telling you, I've heard nothing. Perhaps he's dead. Juniper choked back a sob. He's not dead, I said. I can feel that much. Empathy links. Linnea said disdainfully, "Very unreliable." So ask around, I insisted. Find him. There's a war coming. Grover was preparing the nature spirits, without my permission, and it's not our war. I grabbed him by the shirt, which seriously wasn't like me, but the stupid old goat was making me mad. Listen, Lennius, when Kronos attacks, he's going to have a pack of hellhounds. He's going to to destroy everything in his path. Mortals, gods, demigods. You think he'll let the satyrs go free? You're supposed to be a leader. So lead. Get out there and see what's happening. Find Grover and bring Juniper some news. Now go. I didn't push him very hard, but he was kind of top heavy. He fell on his furry rump, then scrambled to his hooves and ran away with his belly jiggling. Grover will never be accepted. He will die an outcast. When he disappeared into the bushes, Juniper wiped her eyes. I'm sorry, Percy. I I didn't mean to get you involved. Linnaeus is is still a lord of the wild. You don't want to make an enemy of him. No problem, I said. I've got worse enemies than overweight satyrs. Nico walked back to us. Good job, Percy. Judging from the trail of goat pellets, I'd say you shook him up pretty well. I was afraid I knew why Nico was here, but I tried for a smile. Welcome back did you come by just to see juniper he blushed um no that was an accident i kind of dropped into the middle of the conversation he scares to death juniper said right out of the shadows but nico you are the son of hades and all Uh, are you sure you haven't heard anything from about grover nico shifted his weight juniper like i tried to tell you even if grover died he would reincarnate into something else in nature i can't sense things like that only mortal souls but if you do hear anything, she pleaded, putting her hand on his arm. Anything at all? Nico's cheeks got even brighter red. Uh, you bet. I'll keep my ears open. We'll find him, Juniper. I promise. Grover's alive, I'm sure. There must be a simple reason why he hasn't contacted us. She nodded glumly. I hate not being able to leave the forest. He could be anywhere and I'm stuck here waiting. Oh, if that silly goat got him, has got himself hurt. Mrs. O'Leary bounded back over and took an interest in Juniper's dress. Juniper yelped, Oh no you don't! I don't know about dogs and trees! I'm gone! She went poof into green mist. Mrs. O'Leary looked disappointed, but she lumbered off to find another target, leaving Nico and me alone. Nico tapped his sword on the ground. A tiny mound of animal bones erupted from the dirt. They knit themselves together into a skeletal field mouse and scampered off. I was sorry to hear about Beckendorf. A lump formed in my throat. How did you- I talked to his ghost. Oh, right. I never get used to the fact that his 12-year-old kids spend more time talking with the dead than the living. Did he say anything? He doesn't blame you. He figured you'd be beating yourself up, and he said you shouldn't. Is he going to try for rebirth? Nico shook his head. He's staying in Elysium. Said he's waiting for someone. Not sure what he meant, but he seems okay with death wasn't much comfort but it was something i had a vision you were on mount Tam. i told nico was that real he said i didn't mean to be spying on the titans but i was in the neighborhood doing what nico tugged at his sword belt following a lead on you know my family i nodded i knew his past was a painful subject until two years ago he and his sister bianca had been frozen in time at a place called the lotus hotel for uh, and casino They'd been there for like 27 years. 70 years. Eventually, a mysterious lawyer rescued them and checked them into a boarding school. But Nico had no memories of his life before the casino. He didn't know anything about his mother. He didn't know who the lawyer was or why they'd been frozen in time or allowed to go free. After Bianca died and left Nico alone, he'd been obsessing with finding answers. So, how'd it go? I asked. Any luck? No, he murmured, but I may have a new lead soon. What's the lead? Nico chewed his lip. That's not important right now. You know why I'm here. A feeling of dread started building in my started to build in my chest. Ever since Nico first proposed his plan for beating Kronos last summer, I had nightmares about it. He would show up occasionally and press me for an answer, but I kept putting him off. Nico, I don't know, I said. It seems pretty extreme. You've got Typhon coming in what? A week? Most of the other Titans are unleashed now and on Kronos' side. Maybe it's time to think extreme." I looked back toward the camp. Even from this distance, I could hear the Ares and Apollo campers fighting again, yelling curses and spouting bad poetry. They're no match for the Titan army, Nico said. You know that. This comes down to you and Luke, and there's only one way you can beat Luke. I remember the fight on the Princess Andromeda. I've been hopelessly outmatched. Kronos had almost killed me with a single cut to my arm, and I couldn't even wound him. Riptide glanced right off his skin. We can give you the great same power, Nico urged. You heard the great pop- prophecy. Unless you want to have your soul reaped by your cursed blade. I wonder how Nico had heard the prophecy. Probably for some, from some ghost. You can't prevent a prophecy, I said. But you can fight it. Nico had a strange, hungry light in his eyes. You can become invincible. Maybe we should wait. Try to fight without. No. Nico Nara snarled. It has to be now. I stared at him. I hadn't seen his temper flare like that in a long time. Um, you sure you're okay? He took a deep breath. Percy, all I mean, when the fighting starts, we won't be able to make the journey. This is our last chance. I'm sorry for being too pushy, but two years ago, my sister gave her life to protect you. I want you to honor that. Do whatever it takes to stay alive and defeat Kronos. I didn't like the idea. Then I thought about Ambeth calling me a coward, and I got angry. Nico had a point. If Kronos attacked New York, the campers would be no match for his forces. I had to do something. Nico's way was dangerous, maybe even deadly. But it, was give- it might give me a fighting edge. All right, I decided. What do we need to do? What, what do we do first? His cold, creepy smile, a smile made me sorry I'd agreed. First, we'll need to retrace Luke's steps. We need to know more about his past, his childhood. I shuddered, thinking about Rachel's picture from my dream. A smiling nine-year-old Luke. Why do we need to know about that? I'll explain when we get there, Nico said. I've already tracked down his mother. She lives in Connecticut. I stared at him. I never thought much about Luke's mortal parent. I met his dad, Hermes, but his mom. Luke ran away when he was really young, I said. I didn't think his mom was alive. Oh, she's alive. She's alive. The way she said it made me wonder what was wrong with her. What kind of horrible person could she be? Okay, I said. So how do we get to Connecticut? I can call Blackjack. No, Nico scowled. Pegasite don't like me, and the feel- feeling is mutual. But there is no need for flying. He whistled, and Mrs. O'Leary came loping out of the woods. Your friend here can help, Nico patted her head. You haven't tried shadow travel yet? Shadow travel? Nico whispered in Mrs. O'Leary's hear- ear. She tilted her head, suddenly alert. Hop on board. Nico told me, "I never considered her riding a dog before, but Mrs. O'Leary were certainly big enough." I climbed onto her back and held her collar. This will make her very tired, Nico warned. So you can't do it often, and it works best at night. But all shadows are part of the same substance. There's only one darkness, and creatures of the underworld can use it as a road or a door. I don't understand. No, Nico said. It took me a long time to learn, but Mrs. O'Leary knows. Tell her where to go. Tell her Westport, the home of Mae Costellan. You're not coming? Don't worry, he said. I'll meet you there. I was a little nervous, but I leaned down to Mrs. O'Leary's ear. Okay, girl. Uh, Can you take me to Westport, Connecticut, Mae Costellan's place? Mrs. O'Leary sniffed the air. She looked into the gloom of the forest, then she bounded forward straight into an oak tree. Just before we hit, we passed into the shadows, sh- into shadows as cold as the dark side of the moon. And that is the end of chapter five. Now, I wonder at what type of person Luke's mom is because I'm also wondering the same thing that Percy was wondering. What kind of person was Luke's mom for him to run away? Like, I really do wonder about that. And we'll see what happens with. Well, what happens when Percy reaches Luke's mom's home? Make a Stellan? and we'll uh, we'll read chapter six right after we get back from this ad. And we are back from the ads, and now we'll read chapter six. My cookies get scorched. I don't rec- recommend shadow travel if you're scared of a the dark, b cold shivers up your spine c strange noises d going so fast you feel like your face is peeling off in other words i thought it was awesome one minute i couldn't see anything i could only feel mrs o'leary's fur and my fingers wrapped around the bronze links of her dog collar the next minute the shadows melted into a new scene we were on a cliff in the woods of connecticut at least it looked like connecticut from the few times i'd been there lots of trees low stone walls big houses down one side of the cliff a highway cut through the through a ravine Down the other side was someone's backyard. The property was huge. More wilderness than lawn. The house was a two-story white colonial. Despite the fact that it was right on the other side of the hill from a highway, it felt like it was in the middle of nowhere. I could see a light glowing in the kitchen window. A rusty old swing set stood under an apple tree. I couldn't imagine living in a house like this, with an actual yard and everything. I lived in a tiny apartment or a school dorm my whole life. If this was Luke's home... I wondered why he'd ever want to leave. Mrs. O'Leary staggered. I remember what Nico had said about shadow travel draining her, so I slipped off her back. She let out a huge, toothy yawn that would have scared a T-Rex, then turned in a circle and flopped down so hard the ground shook. Nico appeared right next to me, as if the shadows had darkened and created him. He stumbled, but I cut his arm. I'm okay, he managed, rubbing his eyes. How did you do that? Practice... A few times running into walls, a few accidental trips to China. Mrs. O'Leary started snoring. If it hadn't been for the roar of traffic behind us, I'm sure she would have woken up the whole neighborhood. Are you going to take a nap too? I asked Nico. He shook his head. The first time I shadow traveled, I passed out for a week. Now it just makes me a little drowsy, but I can't do it more than once or twice a night. Mrs. O'Leary won't be going anywhere for a while. So we've got some quality time in Connecticut. I gazed at the white colonial wind house. What now? We ring the doorbell, Nico said. If I were Luke's mom, I would not have opened my door at night for two strange kids, but I wasn't anything like Luke's mom. I knew that even before we reached the front door, the sidewalk was lined with those little stuffed beanbag animals you see in gift shops. There were miniature lions, pigs, dragons, hydras, even a teeny minotaur in a little little minotaur diaper. Judging from their sad shape, the beanbag creatures had been sitting out here a long time since the snow melted last spring at least. One of the hydras had a tree sapling sprouting between its necks. The front porch was infested with wind chimes. Shiny bits of glass and metal clinked in the breeze. Brass ribbons tinkled like water and made me realize I need to use the bathroom. I didn't know how Mrs. Castellan could stand all the noise. The front door was painted turquoise. The name Castellan was written in English and below in Greek. Nico looked at me. Ready? He'd barely tapped the door when it swung open. "'Luke!' the old lady cried happily. She looked like someone who enjoyed sticking her fingers in electrical sockets. Her white hair stuck out in tufts all over her head. Her pink house dress was covered in scorch marks and smears of ash. When she smiled, her face looked unnaturally stretched, and the high-voltage light in her eyes made me wonder if she was blind. "'Oh, my dear boy!' She hugged Nico. I was trying to figure out why she thought Nico was Luke. They looked absolutely nothing alike. When she smiled at me and said, Luke, she forgot all about Nico and gave me a hug. She smelled like burned cookies. She was thin as a scarecrow, but that didn't stop her from almost crushing me. Come in, she insisted. I have your lunch ready. She ushered us inside. The living room was even weirder than the front lawn. Mirrors and candles filled every available space. I couldn't look anywhere without seeing my own reflection. Above the mantle, a little, a little bronze Hermes flew around the second hand of a ticking clock. I tried to imagine the god of messengers ever, fa- ever falling in love with this old woman, but the idea was too bizarre. Then I noticed a framed picture on the mantle, and I froze. It was exactly like Rachel's sketch. Luke around 9 years old with blonde hair and a big smile and two missing teeth. The lack of a scar on his face made him look like a different person, carefree and happy. How could have Rachel known about this picture? This way, my dear, Miss Costellan steered me toward the back of the house. Oh, I told him you would come back. I knew it. She sat us down at the kitchen table. Stacked on the counter were hundreds, I mean hundreds, of Tupperware boxes with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches inside. The ones on the bottom were green and fuzzy like they'd been there for a long time. The smell reminded me of my 6th grade locker. And that's not a good thing. On top of the oven was a stack of cookie sheets. Each one had a dozen burned cookies on it. In the sink was a mountain of empty plastic Kool-Aid pitchers. A beanbag Medusa sat by the faucet like she was guarding the mess. Miss Costellan started humming as she got out peanut butter and jelly and started making a new sandwich. Something was burning in the oven. I got the feeling more cookies were on the way. Above the sink, taped all around the window, were dozens of little pictures cut from magazines and newspaper ads—pictures of Hermes from the FDD Flowers logo and Quickie Cleaners, pictures of the Caduceus from medical aids, uh, medical ads. My heart sank. I wanted to get out of that room, but Miss Costellan kept smiling at me as if she, as she made the sandwich, like she was making sure I didn't bolt. Nico coughed. <clears throat> um, Miss Costellan. Mm. Hmm. Mm? We need to ask you about your son. Oh, yes. They told me he would never come back, but I knew better. She patted my cheek affectionately, giving me peanut butter racing stripes. When did you last see him? Nico asked. Her eyes lost focus. He was so young when he left, she said wistfully. Third grade. That's too young to run away. He said he'd be back for lunch. And I waited. He likes peanut butter sandwiches and cookies and Kool-Aid. He'll be back for lunch very soon and she looked at me and smiled. Why, look, there you are. You look so handsome. You have your father's eyes. She turned toward the pictures of Hermes above the sink. Now there's a good man. Yes, indeed. He's come to visit me, you know. The clock kept ticking in the other room. I wiped the peanut butter off my face and looked at Nico pleadingly, like, can we get out of here now? Ma'am, Nico said, what, uh, what happened to your eyes? Her gaze seemed fractured, like she was trying to focus on him through a kaleidoscope. Why, Luke, you know the story. It was right before you were born, wasn't it? I'd always been special, able to see through the... Whatever they call it. The mist? I said. Yes, dear. She nodded encouragingly. And they offered me an important job. That's how special I was. I glanced at Nico, but he looked as confused as I was. What sort of job? I asked. What happened? Miss Costellan frowned. Her knife hovered over the sandwich bread. Dear me, it didn't work out, did it? Your father warned me not to try. He said it was too dangerous, but I had to. It was my destiny. And now, I still can't get the images out of my head. They make everything seem so fuzzy. Would you like some cookies? She pulled a tray out of the oven and dumped a dozen lumps of chocolate chip charcoal on the table. Luke was so kind, Mrs. Costellan murmured. He left to protect me. You know, he said if he went away, the monsters wouldn't threaten me. But I told him the monsters are no threat. They sit outside on the sidewalk all day and they never come in. She picked up the little stuffed Medusa from the window sill. Do that, Mrs. Medusa. No, no, no threat at all. She beamed at me. I'm so glad you came home. I knew you weren't ashamed of me. I shifted in my seat. I imagined being Luke sitting at this table, eight or nine years old, and just beginning to realize that my mother wasn't all there. Miss Castellan, I said. "'Mom?' she corrected. "'Um, yeah. Have you seen Luke since he left home?' "'Well, of course!' "'I didn't know if she was imagining that or not. "'For all I knew, every time the mailman came to the door, he was Luke.' "'But Nico sat forward expectantly. "'When?' Yes. "'When did Luke visit you last?' "'Well, it was—' "'Oh, goodness!' a shadow passed across her face. "'The last time, he looked so different. "'A scar, a terrible scar, and his voice so pu- full of pain.' "'His eyes.' I said, "'Were they gold?' "'Gold?' She blinked. "'No, how silly. Luke has blue eyes. Beautiful blue eyes.' "'So Luke really had been here, and this had happened before last summer, "'before he turned into Kronos. "'Miss Costellan?' Nico put his hand on the old woman's arm. "'This is very important.' "'Did he ask you for anything?' "'He frowned as if trying to remember. My, "'My blessing! Isn't that sweet?' She looked at us uncertainly. He's going to a river and he said he needed my blessing. I gave it to him. Of course I did. Nico looked at me triumphantly. Thank you, ma'am. That's all the information we... Miss Costellan gasped. She doubled over and her cookie tray clattered to the floor. Nico and I jumped to our feet. Miss Costellan? I said, Ah! She straightened. I scrambled away and almost fell over the kitchen table because her eyes... Her eyes were glowing green. My child... She rasped in a much deeper voice. Must protect him. Hermes, help! Not my child, not his fate, no! She grabbed Nico by the shoulder and began to shake him as if to make him understand. Not his fate! Nico made a strangled scream and pushed her away. He gripped the hilt of his sword. Percy, we need to get out. Suddenly, Miss Castellan collapsed. I lurched forward and caught her before she could hit the edge of the table. I managed to get her into a chair. Miss C? I asked. She muttered something incomprehensible and shook her head. Goodness, I dropped the cookies, how silly of me! She blinked and her eyes were back to normal at least. But they had been before. The green glow was gone. Are you okay? I asked. Well, of course, my dear, I'm fine, why do you ask? I glanced at Nika, who mouthed the word, leave. Miss C, you were telling us something, I said, about something about your son. Was I? She said dreamily. Yes, his blue eyes. You're talking about his blue eyes. Such a handsome boy. We have to go, Nico said urgently. W- we'll tell Luke. Uh, we'll tell him you said hello. But you can't leave. Miss Castellan got shakily to her feet, and I backed away. I felt silly being scared of a frail old woman, but the way her voice had changed. The way she'd grabbed Nico. Hermes will be here soon, she promised. He'll want to see his boy. Maybe next time, I said. Thank you for... I looked down at the burned cookies scattered on the floor. Thanks for everything. She tried to stop us, to offer us coolie, aid but I had to get out of the house. On the front porch, she grabbed my wrist and I almost jumped out of my skin. Luke, at least be safe. Promise me you'll be safe. I will. Mom? That made her smile. She released my wrist and as she closed the front door, I could hear her talking to the candles. You hear that? You'll be safe. I told you it would be. As as the door shut, Nico and I ran. The little beanbag animals on the sidewalk seemed to grin at us as we passed. Back at the cliff, Mrs. O'Leary had found a friend. A cozy campfire crackled in a ring of stones. A girl about eight years old was sitting cross-legged next to Mrs. O'Leary, scratching the hellhound's ears. The girl had had mousy uh, brown hair and a simple brown dress. She wore a scarf over her head so she looked like a pioneer kid. Like the ghost of Little House on the Prairie or something. She poked the fire with a stick, and it seemed to glow more richly red than a normal fire. Hello, she said. My first thought was, monster, when you're, when you're a demigod and you find a sweet little girl alone in the woods, it's typically a good time to draw your sword and attack. Plus, the encounter with Miss Castellan had rattled me pretty bad. But Nico bowed to the little girl. Hello again, lady. She studied with me with eyes as red as a firefly. I decided it was safest to bow. Sit, Percy Jackson, she said, would you like some dinner? After staring at moldy peanut butter sandwiches and burnt cookies, I didn't have much of an appetite, but the girl waved her hand and a picnic appeared at the edge of the fire. There were plates of roast beef, baked potatoes, buttered carrots, fresh bread, and a whole bunch of other foods I hadn't had in a long time. My stomach started to rumble. It was kind of home-cooked meals people are supposed to have but never do. The girl made a five foot long dog biscuit up here for Mrs. O'Leary, who happily began tearing it to shreds. I sat next to Nico. We picked up our food and I was about to dig in when I thought better of it. I scraped part of my meal into the flames, the way we do at camp. For the gods, I said. The little girl smiled. Thank you. As tender of the flame, I get a share of every sacrifice, you know. I recognize you now, I said. The first time I came to camp, you were sitting by the fire in the middle of the commons area. You did not stop to talk, the girl recalled sadly. Alas, most never do. Nico talked to me. He was the first in many years. Everyone rushes about. No time for visiting family. You're Hestia, I said, goddess of the hearth. She nodded. Okay. So she looked eight years old. I didn't ask. I'd learned that gods could look any way they pleased. My lady, Nico asked. Why aren't you with the other Olympians fighting Typhon? I'm not much for fighting. Her red eyes flickered. I realized they weren't just reflecting the flames. They are filled with flames, but not like Ares' eyes. Hestia's eyes were warm and cozy. Besides, she said, someone has to keep the home fires burning while the other gods are away. So you're guarding, guarding Mount Olympus? I asked. Guard may be too strong of a word, but if you ever need a warm place to sit in home and, and a home-cooked meal, you are welcome to visit. Now eat. My plate was empty before I knew it. Nico scarfed his down just as fast. That was great, I said. Thank you, Hestia. She nodded. Did you have a good visit with May Castellan? For a moment, I'd almost forgotten the old lady with her bright eyes and her maniacal smile. The way she'd suddenly seemed possessed. What's wrong with her exactly? I asked. She was born with the gift, Hestia said. She could see through the mist. Like my mother, and I, I said. And I was also thinking like Rachel. But the glowing eyes sing? Some bear the curse of sight better than others, the goddess said sadly. For a while, May Castellan had many talents. She attracted the attention of Hermes himself, then a beautiful baby boy. For a brief time, she was happy, and then she went too far. I remember what Mrs. Castellan had said. They offered me an important job. It didn't work. I wonder what kind of job left you like that. One minute she was all happy, I said. And then she was freaking out about her son's fate like she knew he'd turned to Kronos. What happened to to divide her like that? The goddess' face darkened. That is a story I do not like to tell. But May Castellan saw too much. If you are to understand your enemy, Luke, you must understand his family. I thought about the little pictures of Hermes taped above May Castellan's sink. I wonder if Miss Castellan had been so crazy when Luke was little. That green-eyed fit could have seriously scared a nine-year-old kid. And if Hermes never visited, if he'd left Luke alone alone with his mom all those years. <laughs> no wonder Luke ran away, I said. I mean, it wasn't right to leave his mom like that, but still, he was just a kid. Hermes shouldn't have abandoned them. Hestia scratched behind Mrs. O'Leary's ears. The Hullhound wagged her tail and accidentally knocked over a tree. It's easy to judge others, Hestia warned. But will you follow Luke's path, seek the same powers? Nico set down his plate. We have no choice, my lady. It's the only way Percy stands a chance. Hmm. Hestia opened her hand, and the fire roared. Flames shot thirty feet into the air. Heat slapped me in the face, and the fire died back to normal. Down to normal. Not all powers are spectacular. Hestia looked at me. Sometimes the hardest power to ma- to master is the power of yielding. Do you believe me? Uh "'Uh-huh,' I said. "'Anything to keep her from messing with her flame powers again.'" The goddess smiled. (laughs) "'You are a good hero, Percy Jackson. "'Not too proud. I like that. "'But you have much to learn. "'When Dionysus was made a god, I gave up my throne for him. "'It was the only way to avoid a civil war among the gods. "'It unbalanced the council,' I remembered. "'Suddenly there were seven guys and five girls.'" Hestia shrugged. "'It was the best solution.' not a perfect one. Now I tend the fire. I fade slowly into the background. No one will ever write epic poems about the deeds of Hestia. Most demigods don't even stop to talk to me, but that is no matter. I keep the peace. I yield when necessary. Can you do this? I don't know what you mean. She studied me. Perhaps not yet, but soon. Will you continue your quest? Is that why you're here? To warn me against going? Hestia shook her head. I'm here because when all else fails, when all the other mighty gods have gone off to war, I'm all that's left. Home. Hearth. I'm the last Olympian. You must remember me when you face your final decision. I didn't like the way she said final. I looked at Nico, then back at Hestia's warm, glowing eyes. I have to continue, my lady. I have to stop Luke. I mean, Kronos. Hestia nodded. Very well. I cannot be of much assistance beyond what I've already told you. But since you sacrificed to me, I can return you to your own hearth. I'll see you again, Percy, on Olympus. Her tone was ominous, as though our next meeting would not be happy. The goddess waved her hand and everything faded. Suddenly, I was home. Nico and I were sitting on the couch in my mom's apartment on the Upper East Side. That was the good news. The bad news was that the rest of the living room was occupied Mrs. O'Leary. I heard a muffled yell from the bedroom. Paul's voice said, Who put this wall of fur in the doorway? Percy? My mom called out. Are you here? Are you alright? I'm here. I shouted back. Bruf. Mrs. Alloy tried to turn in a circle to find my mom, knocking all the pictures off the walls. She'd only met my, She's only met my mom once before. Long story. But she loves her. It took a few minutes, but we finally got things worked out. After destroying most of the furniture in the living room and probably making our neighbors really mad, we got my parents out of the bedroom and into the kitchen, where we sat around the kitchen table. Mrs. O'Leary still took up the entire living room, but she settled in her head in the kitchen doorway so she could see us, which made her happy. My mom tossed her a 10-pound family-sized tube of ground beef, which disappeared down her gullet. Paul poured lemonade for the rest of us while I explained about her visit to Connecticut. So it's true. Paul stared at me like he'd never seen me before. He was wearing his white bathrobe now covered in hellhound fur and his salt and pepper hair was sticking up in every direction all the talk about monsters and being a demigod it's really true i nodded last fall i explained to paul who i was my mom had backed me up but until this moment i don't think he really believed us sorry about mrs o'leary i said destroying the living room and all paul laughed like he was delighted <laughs> Are you kidding? This is awesome. I mean, when I saw the hoof prints on the Prius, I thought maybe, but this? He patted Mrs. O'Leary's snout. The living room shook. Boom, 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 which either meant a SWAT team was breaking down the door or Mrs. O'Leary was wagging her tail. I couldn't help but laugh, smile. Paul was a pretty cool guy, even if he was my English teacher as well as my stepdad. Thanks for not freaking out, I said. Oh, I'm freaking out, he promised, his eyes wide. I just think it's awesome yep yeah, well i said you may not so be you not you may not be so excited when you hear what's happening i told paula my mom about typhon and the gods and the battle that was sure to come and i told him nico's plan my mom laced her fingers around her lemonade glass she was wearing her old blue flannel bathrobe and her hair was tied back recently she'd started writing a novel like she wanted to do for years i could tell she'd been working on it late into the night because the circle under her eyes were darker than usual Behind her, at the kitchen window, silvery moon lace glowed in the flower box. I brought the magical plant back from Calypso's Island last summer, and it bloomed like crazy under my mother's care. The scent always calmed me down, but it almost made me sad, because it reminded me of me of lost friends. My mom took a deep breath, like she was telling me how to tell me, she was, th- she was thinking how to tell me no. Percy, it's dangerous, she said, even for you. Mom, I know, I could die. Nico explained that, but if we don't Try, we'll all die," Nico said. He hadn't touched his lemonade. Miss Jackson, we don't stand a g- chance against an invasion, and there will be an invasion—an invasion of New York," Paul said. "Is that even possible? How could we not see the the monsters?" He said the word like he still couldn't be li- believe this was real. I don't know," I admitted. "I don't see how Kronos could march into Manhattan, but the mist is strong." Typhon is trampling across the country right now, and mortals think he's a storm system. Miss Jackson, Nico said. Percy needs your blessing. The process has to start that way. I wasn't sure how until we met Luke's mom, but I'm positive. This has only been done successfully twice before. Both times, the mother had to give her blessing. She had to be willing to let her son take the risk. You want me to bless this? She shook her head. It's crazy. Percy, please. Mom, I can't do it without you. And if you survive this this process, then I go to war. I said, me against Cronus and only one of us will survive. I didn't tell her the whole prophecy about the soul reaping and the end of my days, but she didn't need to know that I was probably doomed. I could only hope I'd stop Cronus and save the rest of the world before I died. You're my son, she said miserably. I can't just, I could tell I'd have to push her harder if I wanted her to degree, but I didn't want to. I remember poor Miss Castellan in her kitchen, waiting for her son to come home, and I realized how lucky I was. My mom had always been there for me, always tried to make things normal for me. Even with the gods and monsters and stuff, she put up with me going off on adventures, but now I was asking her blessing to do something that would probably get me killed. I locked eyes with Paul, and some kind of understanding passed between us. Sally. He put his hand over my mother's hands. I, claim, I can't claim to know what you and Percy have been going through all these years, but it sounds to me, it sounds like Percy is doing something noble. I wish I had that much courage. I got a lump in my throat. I didn't get compliments like that too much. My mom stared at her lemonade. She looked like she was trying not to cry. I thought about what Hestia had said, about how hard it was to yield, and I figured maybe my mom was finding that out. Percy, she said, I give you my blessing. I didn't feel any different. No magic glow lit the kitchen or anything. I glanced at Nico. He looked more anxious than ever, but he nodded. It's time. Percy, my mom said. One last thing. If you, if you survive this fight with Kronos, send me a sign. She rummaged through her purse and handed me her cell phone. Mom, I said. Do you know, demigods and phones. I know, she said. But just in case, if you're not able to call, maybe a sign that I could see from anywhere in Manhattan to let me know you're okay. Like to see us, Paul suggested. He was supposed to raise white sails when he came home to Athens. Except he forgot, Nico muttered, and his father jumped off the palace roof in despair. But other than that, it was a great idea. What about a flag or a flare, my mom said. From Olympus, the Empire State Building. Something blue, I said. We had a running joke for years about blue food. It was my favorite color, and my mom went out of her way to humor me. Every year, my birthday cake, my Easter basket, my Christmas candy canes always had to be blue. Yes, my mom agreed. I'll watch for a blue signal, and I'll try to avoid jumping off palace roofs. She gave me one last hug. I tried not to feel like I was saying goodbye. I shook hands with Paul, then Nico and I walked toward the, to the kitchen doorway and looked at Mrs. O'Leary. Sorry, girl, I said. Shadow travel time again. She whimpered and crossed her paws over her snout. Where now? I asked Nico. Los Angeles? No need, he said. There's a closer entrance to the underworld. And that is the end of chapter six. Ooh, I really do hope that Percy makes out of this alive and he returns a hero along with Nico. And yeah, we'll find out next week what Percy and Nico, what their actual plan is and what they they want to do to fight against Typhon and Kronos. But yeah, other than that, I hope you guys have a great week, have a great Mother's Day, and until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom.